When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And this week we're continuing our discussion about some of our recent vacations during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, so last week, uh, we talked about one of my recent trips, uh, climbing up a few mountains around Oregon. And if you're interested in that kind of thing, you can go back and listen in your feed. Um, and this week, we're turning the tables. And Jamie, it's your turn uh, to tell us about one of your recent trips. Jim, first of all, I just want to say that I really loved hearing about your mountain climbing road trip. Your three peaks in three days it was super fun. And anyone who missed that one, I definitely recommend going back and checking that out. It was like just so fun to live vicariously through your story as someone who doesn't really <laughs> climb mountains in that way. And you know what, Jim? I, I think we actually did take a similar approach, you and I, to our vacations in that we both decided to spread out our road trips across a few different destinations that were kind of local here to Oregon and the Pacific Northwest anyway. Yeah, I remember, I mean, watching your kind of vacation unfold uh, over social media. I think I commented back at you at one point and I'm just like, man, you are covering a lot of ground right now. Uh, walk us through this. Uh, what did you get into? Well, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week and it's just been difficult to try to plan vacations this summer, as I'm sure everybody who's tried to plan a vacation knows. Um like we said last week, a lot of you know our regular travel plans were kind of out the window because of the pandemic. So I was, you know, just had a week of vacation that I just decided to take this summer as a way to take a break from my day-to-day -day job, to go out and get a little bit of a different experience outside the house. But I wasn't really sure, like I didn't really want to go to to Bend because they're saying, oh, you shouldn't go to Bend right now. And I didn't really want to try to feed, try to deal with trying to find a hotel or an Airbnb or a campsite. Right now, there's hardly any campsites to even find in a lot of places. So my plan was to basically just take day trips from my house, places I can get to within, you know, one and a half to three hours of driving, and to just spread those out over the course of a week. So Jim, it, it corresponded really well with the restart of uh -huh. the NBA season. 
uh, in the bubble there in Orlando. The Trailblazers um, had their successful run in the bubble. So I kind of just spaced it out where every other day I was either watching a Trailblazers game or I was taking some day trips somewhere around the area. And it was a really fun way to do it. So to spice it up further, my plan was to take four different day trips and for each one to go to a different ecosystem around the area. Because as any traveler of the Pacific Northwest knows, we have a lot of different kinds of places here. You know, we've got everything from the high desert to the ocean, the big mountains and in between. So my plan was to do four trips, one to the mountains, one to the ocean, to the desert, and then to the forest. That was the plan. And I wanted to really make sure these are places I could get to. I didn't have to worry about staying overnight anywhere. I brought my own food. I didn't have to stop at any restaurants. I was basically just gassing up in the morning before I left. And that was it. That was the only stops I was making for that the whole day. That sounds great. I mean, you can cover a lot of ground just with day trips. You don't have to go very far to really like wander into some pretty amazing territory. I mean, here in Portland, what you rattled off all within, I think you said three hours, that's incredible. And at least one of those, Oxbow Park, uh, where you went into the forest. I'm, I'm jumping ahead here. I do know where you went. Alas, uh, not very far from home <laughs> at all. And uh, I, I guess I have one question for you before we get started, Jamie, just kind of setting the table for us. You usually have a summer that is very planned out. We talked about this in a previous episode of the podcast and referenced it last week. But remind us, I mean, you do this for work. You're a travel and outdoors reporter. You also enjoy travel and the outdoors in your personal life, which, of course, makes you very good at your job. How how do you plan trips differently if you're going out there with a reporter's notebook versus if you're going out for fun? We've never talked about this before. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. It's a good question. I it, there is a little bit of a difference of of my approach. I mean, ultimately, it, they're they're very similar, right? You know, a lot of times I'm still looking for where am I going to stay, what am I going to do, what am I going to see. Uh, typically, when I go for my personal trips, I basically I don't mm-hmm. bring my big camera with me. I don't bring my work camera, and I'm not you know thinking about trying to stuff in a lot of different stuff into one trip. I'm not usually thinking, oh, how can I get the most out of this trip? It's more relaxed, I think. Uh, And it's more just what do I want to see for me as opposed to what do I think readers want to see right now? So it's it's just a different approach. It's, It's much more thinking about myself and just kind of going with my own personal whims instead of, you know, being a reporter and trying to go out there and and bring other people into the equation. And it frees me up to do things like this project, which I know is (laughs) turning into this podcast and I'll probably end up writing about it as well. Uh, But it started off as just something that I wanted to do. And it was a sort of a, uh, it took me a little bit of a journey to to get there, even to this decision. We were recording the episode about the Timberline Trail just before I took this vacation. And I had this moment in my head where I was like, oh, man, I've always wanted to the Timberline Trail. Maybe this is the year to do it. Uh, and I kind of got into that like, oh, I, I should be doing this, that kind of that should attitude, right? And I it took checking in with myself of thinking like, do I really want to go on like a four-day backpacking trip around Mount Hood right now? It sounds awesome. I just didn't want to do that. Um, and plus, the Blazers are playing, and I didn't want to miss those games either. 
So the day trips really worked out for kind of making a staycation. It's a word I don't use a lot. I don't like it very much, but it's, you know, for lack of a better term, having a vacation from home. Uh, doing these day trips allows you to sort of stay at home and get that relaxation you might get from that kind of experience. But you also get all this adventure as you're going out to these places that are really close to home. So Jim, the, the, I started off this whole trip with the one that I really wanted to do the most that I was most excited about, which was going to the mountains. So for this, I decided to go hiking at Mount St. Helens. So we had talked about this on a recent episode. We we're talking about uh, Southwest Washington's volcanoes. And I had not done this hike before, but I had really wanted to do it after we talked about it. This is a hike from the Johnston Ridge Observatory down into the sort of blast Ooh. crater of Mount St. Helens. It's a really cool hike. And you kind of go down, once you get off the ridge there, you're hiking through sort of that the ground where it's covered in that ash and mud. And that whole landscape was covered in a lot of places with this sort of this thick layer of tough moss. And from that moss was blooming all of these wildflowers, purple and yellow and red and all kinds of flowers that I've never even seen before, some species out there. Oh, wow. And it was just a beautiful scene, kind of that gray against the bright pop of color. And it's a pretty long hike. It ended up being, I think, about 14 or 15 miles in all. Um, but you can hike from the, the observatory down. And once you get into the blast crater, there's a, a waterfall Ooh. there um, that's pouring off the cliffs. And the clouds were kind of obscuring the higher peaks. So I couldn't see that very well. But it was a beautiful scene. I mean, really kind of rugged and uh, very stark, that gray and kind of almost a red tinted rock inside the volcano there. And then just that barren scene. I mean, you're used to seeing lush forests and the sides of mountains. And the fact that it was just so barren was eerie, quite frankly, but just a really, really cool experience. Sounds like it. And I mean, the the peak that I saw into your trip, no mountain pun intended here, legitimately no mountain pun intended, is uh, <laughs> you posted on one or multiple of your social media platforms this photo of these wildflowers with kind of this stark Mount St. Helens crater as the backdrop, these purple wildflowers, absolutely gorgeous. Paint me a picture, Jamie. Uh, everything you've said sounds amazing. Walk me through it. Yeah, I, I think this time of year is maybe the best time of year to go up and do these hikes because you have, again, wildflowers, when I say everywhere, I mean they were everywhere. In some areas, they were practically blanketing the sides of the trail. Um, so as you're hiking, it's, you know, in some places it's pretty rocky. In some places, your feet are kind of sinking into um, this sort of ashy, sandy soil, um, which makes the hike really different, yeah. interesting, almost like in some points hiking up sand dunes. Hmm. Um, and you could see these washouts from where the um, just the, the flow of mud that had flowed off the volcano when it erupted 40 years ago. You can still see some of those washouts that exist there. What's so interesting to me is that, you know, 40 years ago seems like a long time. We think, oh, that's a big anniversary. That was before I was born. I, mean, I know before you were born, Jim. But in geologic time, that's super recent. Mm -hmm. So when you go out to a volcano like that, you can see all of that really fresh uh, damage and destruction that came off of that eruption. It was just such a beautiful and interesting scene. I think, honestly, it was one of the most interesting and I think just 
most phenomenal hikes that I've done in the region. And, and forgive me if you've said this and I just glossed over it. Does it have a name or a trail name that folks can look up? Yeah, I mean, it's the, the Truman Trail is the one that goes into that, uh, goes through most of it. You can hike along the, the Ridge Trail. So if you go to the Johnson Ridge Observatory, there's a pretty clear trail that leads you off along the ridge. And it hits uh, a, a point where it splits off and you can take the Truman Trail, which heads down along the, the slope of the ridge toward the mountain. Got it. And at that point, it runs into the... Uh, fork that takes you off to the waterfall, which is called Lewitt Falls. Um, and it's only just short, a short hike that takes you up from there. So in, like I said, in all, it's I think about 15 miles or so is what I tracked it at. You can obviously do a little bit less. Folks who don't want to do the mm-hmm. whole thing, I'd recommend just hiking along the ridge there. That's that's where you saw that that photo, Jim, that you, that you enjoyed was taken from that ridge. Oh, okay. And you can get plenty of great views when you're up there on that higher point of that hike. Well, honestly, it sounds amazing. I, I don't know that you're going to be able to top it with your trip to the coast, <laughs> uh, if I'm being honest. Uh, I know. You, you I know, know the kind of landscapes I'm a sucker for, and uh, this one is no exception. But next day, you buzzed out to the Oregon coast, and I know how much you love it. Uh, here's me setting up your soapbox right here. Uh, get on <laughs> that Oregon coast soapbox. What'd you get into? Well, I, I, for the coast, I went out to a place that, um, I just that I really love and enjoy. And also a place that I, I was pretty confident that there wouldn't be a ton of people. So when I was out at the coast, it was a Wednesday morning. I went out there and I thought, I've got pretty good odds of staying away from people. But even still, I, I didn't want to go to Oswald West or some of these other popular, popular state parks. So I went to the, actually the, the most recently crescent Oregon State Park, which is Sitka Sedge out there just north of Pacific City. So everyone knows Cape Kowanda. Usually people see it from the southern side of Pacific City. This is on the northern side of Cape Kowanda, over there by Tierra del Mar, the small community where Facebook is currently also drilling an undersea cable. That's a whole other controversy for a whole other time. But the state park there is really, really beautiful spot where it's much more biodiverse than you're used to getting on the coast. So, I mean, typically, Jim, you know this experience. You you drive, you park up, you cross the dunes, and you're on the beach. That's kind of your typical coastal experience, right? Well, Sitka Sedge offers a much more diverse experience. So, the hike starts out by hiking alongside of this wetland uh, just on the inland side of of the coast, and it, you can see all kinds of birds out there, depending on the, year, the time of year you go. So when I was out there, there were a bunch of herons, a bunch of crows, a bunch of gulls. Other times I've been, I've been able to see some other types of birds out there. Uh, it's just a beautiful, wide open expanse there. And then the trail pretty quickly gets into this really dense coastal forest where you get that, that kind of those thickets. And you're hiking in there in the kind of that sandy soil with all of those coniferous trees and sort of thick brush it's a really cool kind of magical coastal forest experience. And then the trail emerges over the dunes and then you're at the beach with a great view of that uh, southernmost haystack rock at Pacific City. You can see uh, Cape Kawanda in the distance and it's a big wide open beach that there aren't usually very many people at because it requires taking that hike just to get in there. So it's one of my favorite spots. And I went in there and did that hike and walked out to the beach and 
You know, I don't know about you, Jim, but I just love the relaxing experience of just walking along the ocean. So I spent probably a good hour and a half or two hours Mm -hmm. just walking up and down the beach, you know, looking for stuff in the sand, finding tiny little shells and little feathers of plovers. And uh, there were lots of uh, families out there, not lots, but there were a few families out there that day as well that were enjoying it. And it was really fun just to see people so relaxed and carefree, you know, because I, I feel like when I see people out these days, it's usually people kind of stressed out. Uh, they're at the grocery store or they're on the streets. You know, you worry about masks and all this stuff. And at the coast, when you're 100 feet from each other and it's windy and you're outside, you don't need to worry about masks. I saw these families that were just so happy. I saw more than one grown man, like a father, like literally skipping and playing and splashing <laughs> in the waves. And they may have just been doing it sort of to entertain their their kids, but like it, you could just see so much joy on their faces as they were out there. And it was just so nice just to be in that situation. It, it made me feel happy and it made me feel relaxed just to be out there. It was I, so, so nice. I feel happier and more relaxed at this point in my day than I have felt <laughs> since I started working uh, several hours ago. I'm feeling happy and relaxed. And just like uh, two things. One, you can tell that you do this for a living because that was the most vivid. I feel like I just did that hike. <laughs> uh, that was an amazing description. And two, just the good vibes uh, that you're able to channel walking along the water like that, seeing other people enjoying a place that you love a lot. Uh, sounds like a really, really nice day out and a fairly unique one at that, especially contrasting it with the day before being up on a volcano, then going out to the coast, and then, uh, not to cut our Sitka Sedge uh, bit short here, but, and then out to the high desert the next day. Yeah, and I should say, these are alternating days. I'm not doing it every, yes, every that's day. that's true. That's true. But, because I am alternating these with the trailblazers. I gotta catch my blazers plan. Um, had to see Damien Lillard work his magic in the off days. Uh, but, you know, doing it every other day, actually, it was a really good way to do it, I thought, because I had a day of rest in between and to sort of soak in that experience of, okay, cool, I'm soaking in that volcano energy and cool, I'm soaking in that ocean energy. And so I decided then for the third trip, um, like you said, going out to the high desert, which is, I think, a landscape that um, gets a little bit lost in the shuffle of when we talk about these different places you can see in the Northwest. People think about the coast. They think about the mountains and the forests, but the desert is right there. And it's one of my favorite places to go to. I don't know, Jim, I I just think about this, the quiet of the desert, right? And there's something about the sparseness of it that I just really, really like. It it kind of makes me uh, as a person quieter and like I can hear my Mm. thoughts more And it just brings up this sort of contemplative, almost meditative experience when I'm out there. So I wasn't quite sure where to go or how far to go. This is the one I struggled with the most because some of the places I wanted to go were, you know, three or four hours away. Uh, And I just, you know, after already doing two day trips, I just wasn't sure about doing that kind of level of driving again Mm -hmm. just for a day. So I ended up going to another spot that I'm familiar with, that I'm comfortable with which is the Cove Palisades State Park um, out there just south of Madras. Um, This is a phenomenal spot. Have you been out to the Cove Palisades, Jim? 
I believe I have. I think I did. There's one of the Oregon Scenic Bikeways in that area. Mm. Um, and I believe I biked out to Cove Palisades and really enjoyed it. I'm not positive of that, but I uh, this was early on in my Oregon travels. But I'm fairly confident I've, I've been to the spot you're describing. Yeah, it's a really, really cool spot. Um, so this is, this is a place where you have, um, these, this really large canyon where three pretty prominent rivers in Oregon all come and meet together. So this is the Crooked River, the Deschutes River, and the Metolius River. They all meet here at the Cove Palisades, which has since been dammed and created into a reservoir called Lake Billy Chinook. So, it, you know, it's a, a beautiful spot. I like to go usually in the fall or early in the spring because the summertime, it's really popular among boaters, um, which is super fun for people who like to do that. As a hiker, it it, it it is a little off-putting to be hiking and just hearing constant noises of motors running, music playing, people shouting. Um, all of that noise really bounces off the walls of the canyon and uh, reverberates throughout the entire park. But, you know, I thought that's fine. I'm going to be cool with that. And I, I just really want to do this one hike there, which is the Tamalau Trail, um, which is pretty much the primary and one of the only hikes you can do in the Cove Palisades. But it leads you up to sort of the rim of the canyon and around this little plateau that gives you phenomenal views of the whole park. And Jim, this is one of my favorite, favorite views in Oregon is up on the Tamalau Trail, looking at the three rivers coming together. Um, you can see this land formation called the island, which is a protected uh, piece of high desert landscape that people are actually not allowed to go onto. But it's a mix for a beautiful piece of your view. And that day, the water of the of the Lake Billy Chinook was basically teal, uh, aquamarine. It was a beautiful, beautiful color, at least from that vantage point. Um, and, you know, and it was hot and there was no protection from the sun, but I didn't care because it, it was just such a beautiful day. So I kind of just took my time walking around this. It's about a mile and a half or so to get up to that plateau. And then you can walk for about three miles or so around the edge of it. So I kind of took my time and walked around there and um, looked at the juniper trees. There's a bunch mm -hmm. of old juniper trees up there. Um, and I've, I've been really interested in the last uh, few months at looking at feathers that fall on the ground in these places. Mm -hmm. Um, this is pretty much the molting time for a lot of birds. So you'll see a lot of, a lot more feathers in your July, August time, time frame. And, uh, I, you know, I was walking underneath some power lines up there and I just saw out of the corner of my eye, this sort of flash of silver off in the brush. I thought that's either a big feather or it's a piece of trash and either way I'm huh. going to go grab it and check it out. <laughs> And I got up to it and it was, um, it was a feather and it was a, a, you know, not a huge feather, but it was a pretty, a bigger feather than I'm used to finding. And I, I looked it up later and found out that it's a, a turkey vulture feather. Oh, wow. Which I thought was pretty interesting. Not an eagle feather or anything cool like that. Um, you know, turkey vultures are cool in their own right. Um, and right after I found that, this big red tailed hawk started circling above my head and screeching. Oh, wow. Um, and you could hear just in that landscape, you could really hear a screech echoing everywhere. Wow. Um, like you said about the desert, it's so quiet that, you know, I think that, and I think the birds know this, when they make noise, everyone can hear it mm -hmm. for a ways around. All the lizards started scurrying under the rocks, and I'm, I can just imagine all the other little animals were like, we're not going out there right now. We're not we messing with this guy. You want no piece of that hawk, yeah. So it was it was just a really, really cool experience. And um, I just kind of soaked in, again, soaked in that desert energy, 
and uh, took that home with me and drove back and rested up for the next one. Sounds like a really solid day trip, like on the edge of maybe what I would want to do uh, my driving to hiking ratio, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a exactly. lot of time in the car for a relatively short excursion uh, outside the car. But I like that you identified something that is one of your favorites already. And you're like, you know what? I've got the time. I'm just going to go out there and do it. You know, if you were working, you would have chosen to combine that with multiple other things. Probably done, probably try to do it in and out in as, as little time as possible. But when you're on your own time, it's like, okay, let's make a day out of this. And as a result, totally. you get to meander around a little bit more, you know, really appreciate the place um, in a way that maybe you wouldn't if you didn't have the time to slow down. And I think, too, with with a lot of these these day trips, because they are a little, bit, a little bit of longer drives, it's nice to have drives that are just beautiful in and of themselves. So, I mean, on this one, going uh, taking US-26 out past Mount Hood, I mean, you know that drive, Jim. Oh, yeah. That gives you some amazing views of, of the mountain. And I just, I mean, that's almost worth it right there, just do that drive. And coming off of the mountain into the desert, you get some great views looking there, too, above Madras. So, you know... The drive is part of the, I think, part of the appeal of doing some of these trips as well. Um, but yeah, allowing yourself to get out into these different ecosystems. I mean, just to be like, oh, I woke up this morning in my house and now I'm standing in the middle of the desert. <laughs> you know, that's a cool. That's feeling. amazing. It's amazing cool that we feeling. at this point in human history can say we can do that. Um, we have the freedom and ability, a lot of us do, to be able to just go out there. You know, if we have that that uh, capability then I think we might as well take advantage of it. Those of us who live here in the Pacific Northwest, go out there, check out these different parts of the state and the region and enjoy it while you have it. I agree. And Jamie, your last go around, I I spoiled the suspense. If anyone's on the Ah, edge of their seat, what forest is he going to go to? I already already said it. It's Oxbow. But you didn't have to go far. I suspect there may be a little driving fatigue at this point in the week. Uh, you know, you prompting, suspect right. <laughs> yeah, prompting a little bit shorter of a final excursion. But, Jamie, I have recently become acquainted with Oxbow, uh, going out there a couple of times, once to kayak down the Sandy River and then come back and pick up the car, and a second time to do a little trail run. And surprisingly cool forest really close to town or pretty close to town at least yeah it's super close i mean i know from my house it's it's just about i think 35 40 minutes or so uh it's one of my go-to spots especially in the winter time uh in the early spring uh, when there's fewer people there as well um but it's popular in in the fall when the salmon come to spawn in the river it's a great mushroom foraging spot a lot of people in the summertime go there for the river so the sandy river kind of flows in this s-shape uh, through the park, as the name suggests. And it's popular for people who float, who fish, who just want to splash in the shallows. Uh, so because of that, the forested trails in the park are a lot less busy. And I was kind of banking on that when I went there and I showed up there on a Sunday morning, uh, thinking the crowds might get a little bit bigger later in the day. And I saw very few people as I was out there hiking through the trails. But the forested trails in Oxbow are beautiful. And they lead through some old growth forests, and there's some really, really tall trees. There's a couple that have completely fallen in recent years, and that's when you can get an idea of how uh-huh. big these trees are. When you can walk the length of its trunk and it takes you like, you know, a good minute to do so, 
these things are huge. So it, it's one of my favorite spots to go and just enjoy that forested feel. So I, I went, showed up there, like I said, on Sunday morning, went to a portion of the trail I know well. Um, and you can kind of hike for a couple of miles along this forested trail. And eventually it'll lead you up to the top of this plateau overlooking some of the rest of the park, although it's pretty forested in there and you can't really get a clear view. But it's a really nice little ring loop you can do at the top there and then hike right back down. Jim, it's probably only about five miles or so in all, maybe six. But it's just such a beautiful little day hike close to home. And after I got out of the forest, I walked down to the river just to check it out and spend some time just, you know, dunking the feet in the cool water mm-hmm. and uh, enjoying a little time on the sand. That sounds really nice. And I'll, I'll, I have to say, too, for those uh, Portland folks out there who are like Forest Park devotees and, you know, every quick hike they're going to do is up in Forest Park and you haven't checked out Oxbow, go do it. I think you'll be pleasantly, mm-hmm. uh, pleasantly surprised might not be the right word, but you'll be rewarded um, for maybe doing a little bit, a little bit of driving. It's still close to the city. Anyway, Jamie... I have some questions for you about how you planned this trip and why, but I want to get to those right after a short break. All right, folks, we are back talking about Jamie's recent vacation time, hitting four different ecosystems in, what, a seven or eight day span, Jamie? You really, as we said earlier in the show, packed a lot into this trip. Uh, But I'm curious if you could expand a little bit on why you chose to do a bunch of day trips, of course, with some Blazers games in between there, versus (laughs) kind of a big road trip loop or a big backpacking trip or something like that that's maybe one more singular endeavor. Yeah, I mean, the first consideration, like I said a little earlier, was the pandemic. Uh, I really wanted to make sure I kept a small footprint. And doing day trips means that I can bring my own lunch, uh, that I don't have to stop anywhere, stay anywhere overnight. It was a really, I think, it just made sense to do it that way. Uh, Of course, a lot of people are doing, you know, bigger backpacking trips right now, which I think are another safe way to get out and explore during the pandemic. For me, that kind of big backpacking or camping trip, it to be honest, Jim, I, I've just been too tired <laughs> to do that. <laughs> it felt like a lot for me personally. Uh, you know, we've been working like crazy. I know you know that at the paper, covering these protests and covering COVID and doing our regular jobs on top of that. And I wanted to just have a little bit of time to relax at home and to get a breather um, take it easy, you know, and you mentioned this last time too, you know, when you went out on your solo trip to the mountains, you were talking about how nice it was sometimes to get out by yourself. I think that's completely correct for me. Someone who primarily goes out by myself because most of my trips are work trips. Uh, I didn't really want to do another solo backpacking trip, another solo camping trip, uh, especially when I'm already kind of feeling isolated right now. Um, because of the coronavirus, you know, it just, it seemed like the best thing to do for me. And I think that's what folks need to take into consideration here when they're thinking about what kind of vacations you want to take. What's the best for you? Mm -hmm. You know, ask yourself that question, listen to yourself, listen to your body and, you know, be honest about what that is and follow through with that. There's no need to push yourself to do something because you think 
you should do it. You know, this is like I said, I had that experience with Timberline Trail. I really mm-hmm. felt like, oh, I should do this. You know, my neighbor, uh, Kyla, who we interviewed here on the, on yeah. the podcast, she was talking about it. And I was like, oh, man, Kyla did it. That sounds so fun. But listening to myself, I just I just didn't want to do it. And so this seemed to be a, just a way to to be still be able to get out and travel and see some stuff while also getting that time at home. Yeah. And and I'll I'll take that one step further, Jamie, too, where, you know, it's the right trip for you and the right trip for you right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So totally. You know, this summer I would have loved to have traveled home to Michigan to see my family, for example. And it just wasn't something that I felt was the right thing for me right now. Uh, but I've said, you know what, even with COVID restrictions and whatnot, I am going to make a point to make that trip eventually. Uh, it's just not right now. And it's important, I think, to say, you know what, I want to do the Timberline Trail someday. But if I'm not feeling up to it right now, then go find a trip, plan a trip that is what you're feeling right now. And it really seems like you hit the nail on the head with this one. Yeah. You know, we, we talk in our, in our society a lot about, you know, what is your comfort level when it comes to going out and doing things in public right now and that people should be following whatever that comfort level is. I think that especially applies to travel. Some people are a lot more comfortable, you know, going into hotels or going into resorts. These places are open and you can do that. Um, but some people are really not looking to go anywhere indoors. Like you said last week, Jim, that's something that, that's uh, a little bit more difficult for you. And we're all these different levels of comfort. And I think it, it, we really just need to make sure that we do what is comfortable for us without feeling shameful about it, without feeling, um, that we're doing either the right thing, you know, as according to other people or the wrong thing, according to other people, we need to just listen to ourselves and do what we feel comfortable with right now. Of course, obeying all of the public health guidelines and all of the laws um, and all of the requirements and requests from tourist towns that may be saying, we'd rather you don't come right now. I think we need to abide by all that, um, but also just do what, what feels comfortable for you right now. And Jamie, with all of that in mind, uh, what advice would you give to folks looking to plan a trip with a similar vibe of their own? Yeah, I I, I just can't recommend this kind of trip too much. It's it's just such a great way to see so many different areas of the state and of the region. Um, the Northwest, like I said, is just it has so many different places to see all these different ecosystems that are truly different from one another. I would, I would just say, you know, approach it with curiosity and approach it with a sense of playfulness, you know, like kind of like a little kids like to go out and see like, oh, neat. Here's the desert. What's that like? What lives here? What plants are here? Uh, what's it like? You know, oh, cool. What kind of bugs are here in the forest? I think if we reconnect to that as adults um, or even with our kids, especially if those who have kids, it's such a, a, a a nice way to connect with the land that is all around us. You know, we talk a lot about, we like going into nature because we want to feel that sense of connection and that sense of being with the land, with the plants, with the animals. So really tap into that while you're out there, really be open to that form of connection and, you know, approach things with that kind of gentle curiosity. I think that's one of the best ways you can forge those deeper connections and not just have like a fun trip to a pretty place that you get some good pictures of, 
But to have a, a trip where you really feel something deeply and you can bring a feeling and an energy home with you, I think that's that goes a long way, especially right now when we could use that sense of uplifting. I know, Jim, that uh, all of that kind of good feeling I got from the mountain, from the desert, from the ocean, from the forest, I put that in into myself and I brought that home with me. And now I can pull that back out whenever I need it. I'm having a bad day. I just go back to the ocean. I think about those grown men playing in the surf and, you know, it brings a smile to my face. And some days that makes all the difference. You mean like when your podcasting partner's computer keeps, uh, you know, failing while we're trying to record, you can, uh, for example, let's say, uh, you know, <laughs> hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, hypothetically, you could you know call upon your little ocean excursion there and uh, channel some good vibes. I like that. Exactly. I got four new happy places now. There we go. Well, Jamie, I think it's a good place to end it. On that upside. Uh, what do you have to say about that? I think you're right, Jim. All right, my man. Well, folks, until next time, you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. And of course, read all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details about that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. This episode of the show was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot Noose. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen. Zen.